Here's the remote. It's time for TV Topics, where those who love television discuss the series and performances that should be on your radar. Welcome back to TV Topics. I'm your host, Stephen Przykowski. Hanging out today on the TV Topics couch is an actor who made us look at the afterlife with analog eyes in nine days, kept us endlessly suspicious by hitting the nail on the head as Lars in No Exit, he played a pestering landlord with a sensitive nose in Black Mirror. He put his chemistry major to good use as he taught us some physics as chemist Dr. Hornig in the explosive Oppenheimer. And he just wrapped up the brilliant fifth season of FX's Fargo, where he stars as Juno Temple's husband, the lovably meek and quite electrifying Wayne. Here's today's guest, David Rizdal. Uh, hello, I'm David Rizdal, and today I'm hanging out with Stephen Prusakowski on TV Topics. We'll jump into your work in Fargo in just a few minutes, but first, let's talk some TV topics. Remember, there's no pressure, there are no right or wrong answers, it's all just a bit of fun. Okay, so my first question for you. What has been your relationship with television you know, over the years? Were you a TV junkie, watches everything, or you're very selective, do you have your go-to shows and rewatches? Well, I grew up, my parents had like four channels growing up. They were those kind of parents. You know, we had PBS, TBS, and then we, had, we actually, we had some of the Fox, NBC, uh, ABC, you know. So I grew up actually loving Bill Nye the Science Guy and a Magic School Bus. And then, and then at night we could watch uh, the Cosby Show and some of those sitcoms like uh, Tim the Two-Man Taylor. My dad loved Texas Ranger on Saturday nights. So we would... But it was kind of an event, you know, we, we would get together, uh, do do it together as a family. I come from a pretty big family. There's, there's five kids and two adults. So oh. um, a lot of what we did, we would talk about television afterwards, which was like kind of like the most fun to to digest an episode together as a family. And that's, and I think I'm similar now to how I watch. I mean, I love Succession. I love the Breaking Bads. I love Mad Men. I love Atlanta. The, my wife is on too. Got to shout out my wife, you know, and I can't. But, yeah. um, but, but I think I love shows that make that afterwards you want to go talk about it. And and for me, the best ones feel like there's character arcs, there's there's multi dimensions, there's tones that are that you're invited. In. It's like meeting somebody who's really interesting as a, and then you get to see their whole life play out. I I I think this new form of television really allows it's a great medium for writers to really explore a character over a much more time than you normally get with the film. And, and that's why I'm drawn to projects like Fargo. And I'm happy I get to work with Mr. Holly again on, uh, on alien. Cause he's the, he's the kind of writer that likes complex characters and, um, and, and interesting tones and worlds. Mm -hmm. That's great. I, I was one of six. So one oh, of six. Were. Yeah. What, num what number were you? I was three. Oh, right in the middle. Okay. Uh, that's probably why I'm doing this now. You know, it's yeah, the, uh, need to be seen. <laughs> yeah, need to be seen. Make it in a pocket. That's funny. And also probably why you're such a you're good interviewer because you're a good listener. I try I try my best. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny though that you know when you have the big family, the discussing what you're gonna watch, deciding on it. Like, you know, we had the shows that didn't matter who was in the living room. My dad was like, That's it, Hill Street Blues time, you know. Okay. It's and yeah. and then you had your shows that you could kind of choose over, you know, fight over a little bit with us, uh, with your, uh, well, I mean, your tool time and uh, just just about everything it was like yeah, 
You put your stake in. This isn't my show. We're watching this. That's exactly. My dad was was the, you know, whoever held the remote was in charge. And my dad, if he was in the room, held the remote. My mom's not as much of a TV person in general. She wasn't in the room as much. But my siblings, we really got to to talk about it on Saturday morning morning cartoons. That was that was our oh, yeah. democratic process, you know, because the the, the dictator the father was gone, and we all now had to learn how to negotiate. All right, so I get Rugrats if you get Ninja Turtles kind of thing, you know, uh, tit for tat. Did you fight over the the seats and the you know the favorite seats and the pillows, blankets, things like that? Yeah, well, we had a really cozy room there and so we, we all but yeah i love the easy boy if, if my dad was always in the easy boy if, if he was gone <laughs> then somebody got to go for the easy boy and i was the oldest so i often got to to go there but we would um, my brothers and i would negotiate for sure for that for the throne it's the equivalent of shotgun now when you're yeah, uh, in exactly right. high school college age yeah that's exactly right so you know during that time what was the first primetime show that you you really remember loving? Like one that you still are, you know, at least have a soft spot for. When I was younger, I just was enamored by television in general because I was I was from a rural, small like town place. These were these were different cities. You know, I was a seen a city for the real the first time. The the first but the first show that I got into that was mine was The Office. I love the Steve Carell and you know just like and. And then later, I, I still go back to that show and I have a huge soft spot for how they created little, like so much specificity of every character. And as an actor, like, how do you, how do you, if you have one line on this episode, but how do you make that person interesting? How do you, I mean, the timing, the vulnerability, the the subconscious and the conscious wants, like, the, like how you do layers, how Michael Scott does layers or Steve Carell with that character. I just... And I think I, I sometimes I'll, I'll watch The Office just to get inspired before an audition or inspired before a day on set, just to remind myself that humans are messy and we can be funny and and uh, you know I, I and and just like character should come first. You can do so much with a moment. Um, and yeah, so that, that that's a show that I I still go back to often. Well, it, it might blend into this next question, but you know if you have another one, maybe something more. Uh, current, you can add, add that one or whatever you want. But do you have a show that makes you laugh most? Like something that you go back to that, like, you know, even if it's on for a few seconds, you're like, I got to watch some of this and uh, you know, makes you laugh, picks you up besides oh, yeah. the office. Maybe. You know, I mean, besides the office, I mean, I love, uh, I love Veep to, uh, I got to work. Yeah, that's, and I'm Larry David, Larry David, that's my airplane watch, you know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, when you're like, what should I watch? You're like, oh, I, I just want to veg out and watch this neurotic, lovely older man who who has like similar to Michael Scott. Like it's like, but actually very different actually to Michael Scott, but he's a crank. But underneath that, there's this heart and there's the fact that we don't get bored with that over and over. Like you can watch that forever and I'm not bored. It's like a simple character choice in a weird way but it's like it just has so much depth and it's fine to watch him do and, and it's so simple like the simple things he does so i go back to larry david i feel like now he's like a surrogate kind of old grumpy grandpa figure for me so he just it feels it feels nice to be in his presence um i feel warmed <laughs> warmed by his glow and you could pick up any episode and go in any minute on that show and as yeah. soon as he's on screen you're like i'm all in and, and all even in. like the lines that he's delivered two, three, four dozen times make me crack up. You know, pretty good. Same, same. And just the music. Dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun. I'm already in a good mood. I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. 
so simple. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the old days of uh, uh, the Three Stooges and things like that, where like, but they're effective. And the music was so simple, but you hear it and you're like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Good, good choice there. Um, and are, are you a crier? And if so, what's the last show that made you cry or made you cry most? Oh, I am a crier. And I mean, I, I, I am, I get emotionally invested. I don't, I don't cry, but yeah. And I, and I love to be elevated to that space emotionally. I, I don't, I don't cry very often, but I do. I definitely cry in shows and actually not to boast or to bring up my own show, but the last show I cried in was, was the finale of Fargo. I, 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 at Sam Spruill, I, you know, being in that scene with him and in Wayne's point of view, is different than David's point of view watching and you know and watching the pain and the burden that that old monk had and also Sam Spruill like carried for six months in a way and to to release it and there's so much hope and I think that's what you know going into 2024 in America like that message that how do we break the cycle of trauma how do we love our neighbor uh well, you got to sit with them, break bread. There's power in that ritual. And and when I read the script for that, I was like, I was so impressed. And also I was, I was nervous. I'm like, this has, we got to do this right for it to land. Um, but I, at that message, which I think is in the original, you know, movie and, and of, of Fargo, like the humans, there's these better natures. And there's like, also there's a selfish and there's a selfless and, and, the one that you feed in a way will win and and as america we need to we need to feed our better angels and there are there is another way uh and and you can sit at the table and listen to somebody's story and just listening is powerful and 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 so i think that that's i, I teared up uh while watching that and and really felt that that that's what this, that's how, what we were and we ended with well, we will definitely get into that uh, shortly, yeah. so I don't want to get too far ahead. Fair, fair, <laughs> but yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm loving every everything you're saying, but I'm like, uh oh, wait, I'm going to start stumbling later on. When like, yeah, no, fair enough. What you said echoes a recent guest, Phil Rosenthal, from the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond and his show uh, Somebody Feed Phil. He said the same thing, very like very in tune with what you said about you know instead of um, fighting, instead of online, let's put a table in the middle, put food in the middle, and the the, the warring parties should meet. Mm -hmm. and share food because you mm -hmm. don't fight when you're having good food and it's like and i was like you should give it a listen he, it was uh, a really inspirational oh, like i didn't expect it but he uh he moved me you know in those words it's wonderful oh. and he moved me as well it's it's great to hear yeah well i'll, I'll definitely listen to that I, I listened to the rose burn i loved i love her and i love that episode. oh yeah yeah that was the first one ever and she was or no she had to pick up her kids or something she was walking oh. around the city on her cell phone. So the audio is not great, but her uh, everything she said is... And it was the first one. So I wasn't the first one, but now I want to... I like the content and the way you approached it. Now I want to jump in and, and hear, listen to the rest of them. Yeah, please yeah. do. Please do. Uh, is there any other show that made you cry? I cried at Succession. Um, I also laughed at Succession. But to do... To make us in a way care for these characters that are so despicable... I, I, and it's a testament to the writing, to the acting, to the directing. I mean, you, you care for Kendall Roy. You like, he's so lost. And I think that was a, a, a tears of, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I teared up just of how broken the people are that are sometimes in so much power. And there's, and you think about like, that's some of the trauma that Fargo talks about that these people who have so much power in our world 
are as broken or probably more broken than the average person. And, 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 and we need to figure out a way for them to come back to the table and to, to realize what's important for your neighbor and what you don't need a billions of dollars. You actually, you know, just have enough for yourself. There's enough to go around. And, and, but what, what are the, what are the things in, inside of us that say, no, I need more or no, I need. And it's like the things about your, you wanting your, your, your dad's attention and love can make you be an awful person in your real life. And I think that's like a very profound notion of that show of, and uh, just that concept uh, makes me, made, made me tear up. I, um, yeah. When you watch it, it's such a tragedy and it's not about the deaths or death. It's no. not about, you know, who wins or who loses. It's, this is a family and these people are, are so disconnected from yeah. like, kind of humanity. It's like all about, it's all, it's like a, it's a pawns in a business plan, you know, in a, in the, exactly. a big scheme, but lacking the soul inside of them, or it's like yeah. at least closed off. Yeah. And trying all these things to fill that, that will never fill them, you know, that fill that hole and, and, uh, what you can relate to in your own life. That's it's, you, watching these billionaires who are kind of despicable people. And then you relate to them with your own family. It's such a powerful piece of television to do. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you look at the world today too, it's, it's hard if you're on the other side of things, I think it's both ways to look at it and say, boy, I feel real bad for that billionaire. I, yeah. But at the same time, they're people too. And I'm sure there's things we connect on. You've got to assume that they don't see us as well. And the inability from both sides is where the problem lies. But I don't, I think there is that big disconnect. Again, let's break bread. Let's break bread and like, like see each other. That's what I love about New York City is you have to get on the subway together, right? You're not stuck in a car. And so there's so many different types of people on that subway and, you, and you're not breaking bread, but you're, you're in the midst of humanity. And that's, I love the city. I'm from a small town in America, which I love in, in Minnesota actually. But when I got to New York, I was like, wow, this subway is what makes this city so special. And I think um, because you're stuck together and you have to, Sometimes you're even smelling each other, you know, but like you're, you're like, your senses. <laughs> most times. Are, yeah, most times, to be honest. But, but I, I just think that's really special thing about New York and is why people, there's, I, I don't feel very much judgment in this city. You know, you can be whoever you want to be mm -hmm. and let me be who I, who I am. And, and, um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you bring a guest in who has not, you know, been to the big city before mm -hmm. and they're you know they're like on a commercial that auto insurance or that insurance commercial where like don't be your parents and like did you see the blue hair did you see this and i'm like i don't yeah. see anything anymore everybody's just being themselves live and let live and uh you know do your thing yeah so. exactly okay so what tv show if there if there is one would surprise your fans like is there a guilty pleasure or something you know uh well you ever seen that show naked and afraid i have not seen it <laughs> that one I was like man we are crazy human beings and so I I'm, I like to camp I like to go I'm I, I there's these things in, the, in Minnesota called the boundary waters which are these untouched waters up in northern Minnesota so I can I can go out in the middle of nature but the idea of going naked uh with one tool just to just to see if you can do it or I guess to be on television you see the facade come off really quickly. And I like, I like that about shows when they, if, for, for me, it's, it's still a guilty pleasure, but you get to like watch the facade of like the hopeful person be like, yeah, I got this, you know, I garden and you're like, good luck. The first day you're going to be 
you know, just sweltering heat and all the bugs. So that show, I think I've, I've that's mine. And I, and um, also desperate. My friend got me into desperate housewives over, over uh, the COVID. And I was, and I was like, these are fascinating characters too. I mean, and as an actor, you're always trying to find interesting people for your, and, and put it in your brain for something, or I'm a writer too. So like, and, and so I think, I'm always drawn to character. Now I always get weirded out if it feels exploitative, which a lot of it does, but but um but I love a good character and I love to see real people be their messy selves. That's great. Uh let's switch channels and, and talk a little bit about Fargo. And uh let me start by saying how much I loved it. Um I mean, this last season, I really enjoyed it, but then when that ending happened, I was like, wait, is this over? It seemed like it was over. And then I'm like, oh, there's 15 minutes left. What the hell? And when it happened, I mean, I I, I was instantly pulled in thinking one thing, and it subverts all expectations. And it becomes, I mean, that 15 minutes alone is spectacular, but it the what it does and how it, it makes everything preceding it even better was uh, just absolutely incredible. But before we talk about it, okay, fair. I want to actually go back in time uh, a little bit further. I know you're a chemistry major, and I'm just curious like how how what was it what you know minnesota chemistry and now you're a hollywood actor what was it how did you get into it why you know what's that story i grew up homeschooled until i was 13 and my my brothers so i have younger sisters but they were not born yet so i just my brothers and i would do a lot of theater with my mom we just loved making up plays and and creating little stories, shot a lot of those little indie movies, like shorts in my hometown, my friends. I I did all the, I went to high school then in real, in, you know, we called it real school. Uh, but, but, and I, and I was kind of a quiet kid, you know, right away, you're a weird homeschooled kid. And I did a, a play. And my mom's like, David, you should audition for the play. And I was like, mom, you know, I don't know. I don't, but I did it and only a few guys sh- like showed up for the audition. So I got a lead role, you know, and I loved it. I, it was like one of the most spectacular feelings to, to be on stage. This connection you have with other people through acting was kind of an, a, a spiritual experience for me. And then, but I, I'm from rural Minnesota. Nobody I knew did this. And I told one friend once and he just laughed at me. He's like, ha ha, you're going to be an actor. Ha, ha. And I was like, okay, I can't, you know, let's bury that for a while. And so I went to college and I, I did chemistry and I, but I, my end of my freshman year, I was like, let me just try out for this. Or let, me, let me go for this class, do an acting class. And the love is, was there. And I just started auditioning for the plays and I just, and I got into these plays in college and then my senior year came around and I had a, a an internship at a lab where I could go do an apprenticeship at Great River Shakespeare Festival in Winona, Minnesota. And I was like, well, let me do one summer of it, whatever. And that summer so was spectacular. I played Laertes in Hamlet as an apprentice and and I met all these adults that were doing it. And I'm like, oh, these people are having a great lives. And, I, and I, slowly I was just like, well, let me just try it. And this person... Uh, casting director Tiffany Canfield, who's now a big TV, she t- casts a lot of television, was friends with the artistic director at this. And afterwards, she said, "David, you should go to New York." And I was like, "Yeah, I should." I was, I was, um, I had just gotten infatuated with Bob Dylan, 
who's a Minnesotan that went to New York and I was like into all of his music. And I was like, let me, let me just go see. I, I, I want to see what living in a city is like, what New York's life. I don't really know who I am. And let me just go try this thing. And I moved out to New York and it was really hard. You know, I had a, I found somebody on Craigslist, a roommate. Uh, he was a, a Syrian man, a, de, a devout Muslim. And I come from this like Christian background. So it was really just like a, suddenly we were talking about life and religion and, and I got a job at a tutoring kids with my chemistry major. And then I was working at a hotel to, and then so they moved out, you know, you move around like 10 times in New York, you, you get like so many, I lived with like 10 roommates in, in Bushwick for a while and, and just did a million short films, like a million short films at Columbia and NYU grad schools as an actor, you got into one and then everyone on there is like, Oh, come do mine. And I spent five years just, doing short films, short exercises and writing and just having this creative collaborative community. And because you're doing short films, you get to be a lead. You get to have an arc in those. You're not just like coming in for one line on a show. You get to like, you're not getting paid anything, but you get to have the experience of creating a character for and, and really carrying a movie, even though it's eight minutes long. And and that was really my school. And I did, of course, I did a lot of, I did, I did, you know, that was my, that plus classes and, um, was my uh, education in New York and acting. And then you, you, years later, or I don't know how many years later, you did two of my favorite recent films, Nine Days, which is an amazing film that everyone needs to see. I love that you are shouting out Nine Days. It's my favorite film I've done, yeah. It's uh, it's absolutely spectacular. Oh, yeah. If we didn't have so much to talk about, we could talk about Nine Days all day, maybe next time. The other one is Oppenheimer. That little another uh, banger right there. <laughs> a banger. Who knows? Who knows of that one? Now you're you're in Fargo, the Fargo universe, which must have been an incredible uh, opportunity. And when that happened, were you a fan before? Oh yeah. So I, I grew up knowing them. I remember seeing the movie when I was in high school, and and I was like, these guys are from Minnesota, the Coens, and and then became just obsessed with how they could create tone. And as an actor, they're one of the pinnacles because you get to play like the canvas is so vast to play in that you can you can give every color you can be you're serious you're you're it's like playing a it's like jazz there's like a funkiness to it you know there's that that, that you get to an elevation an elevated state as an actor to play in so i was always i'm mean, barton fink uh the big lebowski uh no mm -hmm. country for old men of course i i'm a i'm a huge coen brothers fan and then and then when the show came out, I was a little concerned right away. I was like, oh, they're just going to they're yeah. gonna ruin this iconic movie, which I think a lot of us felt that way. And then Billy Bob Thornton, Martin Freeman, just and the writing of that, that um, that first pilot is so tight. And I I remember being like, I, and I binged that whole first season. And, I, and then and then when the audition came through, you know, I'd been a fan of the show of, since its inception. And I was like, all right, what a cool chance. I'm trying to approach acting now. Just like, what a cool chance to put myself on tape and say these fun words. You know, I got to do the scene. I did the scene. Um, I just, oh, I just want to play floor hockey and watch Real Housewives. You know, that that line. And I got to do the scene where you want to take a tumble. Those are the two scenes they gave me to do. And they were just so fun to do with my my wife uh, and I. She's, you know, she's an actor too. So we just, we do those, did it together. And I was in... I was in Spain. My wife was doing a Black Mirror episode that I have a small part in too. But but we did. We were in Europe and and then and then I got a. Then you wait a month. You get some notes back, and and they're like, "Oh, you're still in the running for this." And I was like, "No way!" And 
and I'd met Noah once before. Uh, my wife did a movie with him, and and I, I was like, all right, well, just here's a note. I'll, she, I, I did it again, and then you wait a few weeks, and then they're like, Noah wants to have a Zoom with you, and and I, the Zoom lasted twenty minutes. I couldn't tell really if I got it. I got off, and then I got a call. We were still in Europe, and I got a call at ten o'clock, and they're like, you got it, and then I, we went out dancing the rest of the night. It was a kind of a very magical feeling, and then. And then I was like, oh, no, I got to really nail this accent because I'm from Minnesota and I'll never hear the end of it if I, if I don't. So I record, I had a bunch of friends from the middle and northern part of Minnesota record themselves and listen to some local uh, local Facebook pages. Because where I'm from in the south, it's a little different accent. I'm from a German town and that accent comes from the Scandinavian roots. So uh, I just had to double down and be like, I really need to get this accent right we had a great coach to liz uh, himmelstein but um but yeah that was kind of the process for fargo and then going in you always wonder all right well, who, well, who's wayne so much of who wayne is is who's who dot is right and who lorraine is and so you meet then you meet juno and i had a coffee before and and then a dinner before having the first shot which which the first day of shooting was the car scene and me picking her up from the from the uh, police station. And and uh, I remember meeting her and be like, oh, this is gonna be easy. You know, her energy feels right. And that changes Wayne a little bit, it changes how I was approaching Wayne because because I, I didn't, had never met her before. I didn't know how she was gonna play Dot either. And then you meet my mom and you're like, okay. So this also has very much shaped my personality. Let, and then you just go back to the, you know, and, and, and cultivate what you've already been working on to shape with these new creative forces. Did you create a backstory for him, for him? Is there something that you wanted to bring to him? Like, oh, yeah. Very much. Can you tell me a little bit? Yeah, of course. So we're always like, all right. So Wayne, you know, kill him with kindness kind of guy, right? Has has learned to deal with the intense, his intense mother. Um, and so, but the question is like, why do the three of us talked about like what that wedding was like? You know, how <laughs> when I came home and said, I'm, I found my 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 wife and, and I, I'm going to marry her. Like there was. I'm sure there was tension. And and for me, that talks to the strength of Wayne even before it starts and the strength of their relationship. But uh, we talked a lot about Juno and, and I. Like, I felt like Juno gave me a lot of confidence or Doc gave me confidence. So so I grew up and was everything was, was told. I, I was dressed by my mother. Everything was kind of given to my mom. And then I was having a crisis, you know, in my early 20s of who am I because of, of this intense mother I had growing up. I wanting to be my like to have my own journey, but not knowing what that what that was like. And then I'm I I took a, some night courses to try to gain confidence. This is this is the backstory we had to gain confidence about public mm -hmm. speaking. And in that class was Dot, and we I sat next to her, and she made me. We had so much fun together. She made me feel so good about who I was, and gave me the confidence to go start Wayne motors you know and like be a great salesman and so you know i i think it's been 10 years of us building each other up and then uh so that's the backstory i you know i tried to create a backstory that that amplified all my feelings of of love and create higher stakes when she leaves so that for me that's that's what we kind of came up with I absolutely love that. That's so great. I mean, it's like when I was thinking about the character, I'm like, oh, you know, I want to discuss with you a little bit and and get into it. It's like, because when you're first watching, I'm like, is, you know, is he a, a little dull? 
is he uh you know is this some kind of defense mechanism you know what is this like because his wife in the family home is one way part of this quiet perfect little family but as soon as there's danger she goes into attack mode and defends the family and wayne's always kind of laid back but then i think oh wait that relationship with his mother, that must be the key to some of who this character is. Behind his wouldn't-hurt-a-fly exterior, there are more layers and more depth to his story than it would first appear. All part of making him the Wayne we see. Yeah, and when I started seeing him, as you start to get exposed, as you were saying, you get exposed to this, his world, you're like, oh, wait, now I, now I get him. Which is really, you know, it's, uh, it's it plays so well, especially, you know, as things get more tense, you're like, yeah. At first, I was like, "Is he not seeing this, or is he kind of you know, like? Can you I, I, can you give me a little bit more about the dynamic yeah. between you and, yeah, and Juno? Because you know, I think and, and, of... and Dot and Dot and Wayne. Yeah, Dot and Wayne. I I think there is a a passive aggressive or, or a a doesn't want controversy. He's grow grew up with a very intense mother and knows that. All right, I had to find in my own way to be strong. And I can't confront her, but he grew up understanding how to be charming, how to be kind. And that was a defense mechanism in a way. It's also generally who he is. He's a kind person. But I think the arc of the season is he, he, this, that defense mechanism fails him in a way, you know, and, and, and he, this thing that they've built up, you know, Juno and I were saying, even though I don't know what happened to her, I'm sure there were times we were being intimate and she like, she flinched or, you know, like, you know, something about, like, there's probably been times that I know that there's pain in her past. I don't know what it is, but I know that if, what I have to do when she's in those moments that are, maybe she gets manic or something, I calm her down by being normal. So that's what my, that's what Wayne's doing the first, he's like, all right, I'm not gonna, this is a little weird, you know, but I know I if I, I need to just give make her feel safe and sh and and we'll we'll go through this together like we have in the past when things have come up that I didn't understand and she's never told me right there's you know you don't go through that much trauma that she's and it doesn't show up in her, in her personality I'm sure there are times that but she can't talk about it and and that's why I think it's beautiful about our arc that by the end by that last finale scene we've talked about that stuff like that this last year, like we have been forced to actually talk about what's happened to her and what's happened to all of us. And then when, he, when Oli Moon comes, I do think Wayne, I mean, I play it. That's how I, that, all right, this guy's dangerous. I can tell her something's going on here, but I, and I can't, I'm not going to fight him. I'm going to lose. But what can I do? What's my, my, my power is in, I'm the best salesman this side of the Mississippi. I am a genuine person. I'm going to charm you. And our family is strong together. We have faith in our family and you're in our home. And for me, that's what that, that scene's about is like, you know, I think Noah said, like, don't let him, don't be in his scene, bring him into your scene. And I feel like we're like, we're going to invite you in. We are going to love on you. And that's our superpower. And like, and for me, that's where, for, if it was a little bit of a, of a passive aggressiveness to a little bit in the beginning of the season by the end it's like no it's powerful i can be powerful by being kind um and that's and that's for me the arc uh because i finally know 
what my wife's been through and we've been real with each other. And so it needs to feel there's power in that truth, but I'm still this kind, lovely little hokey person. But I, at the end of there's, there's strength to our family unit. Wow. That's beautiful. I, I really love that, man. Oh yeah. You're the protector. Like she seems like the protector because she goes out there and, and but you're protecting her in your own way. And I heard you, you do like improv or you have like an improv yeah. background. How did that come into play with, with Wayne? Well, improv in general changed how I acted. I mean, I did it for 10 years. I mean, I was on a house team at this place called the pit in New York. And before improv, I always felt like I had to be perfect on the lines. I had to, I mean, I mean, I still, you know, Noah's writing and in April, all of the, the writers, you want to do that writing justice because it's written so musically, but the approach to it can be flexible, I think. And, and, and improv broke away those chains of having to be always right. I could just listen so much of listening and just being, all right, this is going to be a different scene. Every app, every take is going to feel very different. And so that, so improv in general is very important uh, for me also to before coming into the scene. So like when for that last scene with old Munk, before dots coming in, Sam and I were just riffing of like, what was the conversation like for him to come into the, how, like, how did he came? I came to the door. He was there. He's like, I know your wife. Like, what was the conversation from that point to where we're sitting in silence as my wife comes home and that we, we improvise that for a while. And that helps you as an actor come into the scene as if it's already a scene, it's already happening. It's not the beginning. Does that make sense? So like, so improv is always a part of my acting now because I'll try to improvise the moment before of what, so it's not, so, so I know how I got to where I'm, I'm at. Um, and then you improvise sometimes between it. We didn't do that much in Fargo because I think it's written so tightly, but the but improvising uh, moments that we don't ever see, like Juno and I, like we improvised just for fun to what our, what our first date was like, what our, what our wedding was like. So then we, we have that lived history that we can call on um, in the in the the scenes that are going to be filmed. That's why I love doing this. That's why I love having these conversations because, I mean, I, I you know, I mean, it's no hyperbole. It's not. I'm just not just saying because you're here. But I loved it. I love this. I love the series. I love this season. Um, but I, you just gave me a way to love it more. You know, I like oh. I appreciate everything I've seen even more, and I can't wait to watch it again. So when you're shooting this, or like at what point was it when you read the script, or was it while you're shooting? Like that scene in particular, the the finale scene, the, the last closing fifteen minutes or so. When did you know you had something special? Could you see it on the paper? Yeah, yeah, I did see it on the paper, and and then you also see what your other fellow actors are doing, you know. And and I was they elevated it, and then and the writing is already so good, and 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 you're like, oh, this dot is a character worth watching the way you know is bringing so much complexity to it you're like oh they're gonna root for her so hard and and then uh but but it got better and better and then you know they rewrite the scripts so they give you new scripts at we were we had the first four to start and then they you see they were all making the same show because what you're feeling they're writing and then the fact that that last finale i was like oh we're we're all this is the show and we could all then talk we got the finale about halfway through shooting and we're like and then you're you're leading to that point you know you're leading to the point where the family is strong and we're dealing with the past trauma uh with kindness i mean like like we're we're sitting down it's biblical in a way of 
sharing bread, you know, um, and it's about faith. You know, I remember, I remember thinking like, oh, they're praying. That's so, that's, that's interesting to put in here, you know, juxtaposed to all of what John Hamm does with his God. Right. And I'm like, but you know, America's faith, you know, like we, America is not a real thing. You know, it's, it's just a thing that we've all decided is real because, and, and it takes faith to be a fellow citizen. It takes faith to be a father. It takes faith, you know, and, and from then I got to read, do those beautiful scenes in seven where I'm as a character, Wayne is dealing with the fact that his wife is not who she said she was, but the love was real. And what they have is real. And he's trying to figure out what was real. And also why his brain is literally coming back. And he's up there staring at the moon. And he, I think there's faith in that moment of like, now she is my wife. I, I, I was trying to like, because you never, I want, I was like, I kind of wanted the scene where we, where Juno and I talk or Dot and I get to talk. But I'm like, we don't need it. Cause like there's, it's their relationship is real. And I'm sure we're going to have that in the year past you know i'm sure we talked a lot about what she went through but do we need to see that scene or is the faith of what he goes up and tells this story to his daughter it's also for him being like she had to go into the darkness like i, I don't know where she is right now but i have faith that she's doing what she has to do and my job is to be here for you that is my job and that is what's keeping her strong as a mother knowing that that her partner Wayne is is there for her and and my daughter's here for me as you can see it was a cool like she would tell me she needed something to that's what I think is so beautifully written by April and Noah is like in those scenes we need each other and she's telling she's helping me be a good father to her but she also needs a father and and it's you've seen the 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 the, the strength of the family come together which are going to be strong then when Oli Munk is in our house in the last we, we need to feel that the, 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 this, the family getting stronger so that in the end we're like all right we are strong and 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 you're you're you've killed a lot of people but you haven't dealt with the lions you know and in in this in this very we're gonna we're gonna love on you and that's gonna be the most and, and we're gonna win you know uh which i think is such a beautiful so for what i'm trying to say is when we read the finale it gave so much more understanding of what we were doing in those other scenes to lead to that finale yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I put a, a, a tweet out on X or whatever it's called now, and the reactions um, are incredible. People really connected because it's it's amazing how complex it is and the themes that are covered. And like some are really difficult to, you know, even think about or discuss. And there's bigger themes in these, you know, and I mean, some of the issues this whole country is dealing with are all touched upon in this one season of the show. It's surprising how much it tackles. And going back to the dinner table where they're disarming this dangerous situation, in addition to what Wayne and Dot are doing, your daughter also steps up to help protect the family. Mm. And you can see her stepping in and saying, yeah, I'm going to give my dad an assist here. Yeah. And bringing up, you know, and like, this family has this situation covered. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to turn this, uh, this boat around. It's going in the wrong direction. We're going to change this. And uh, I thought that was really wonderful, you know, because as a dad, I was like, you know, that, that would be my girls stepping yeah. in and, you know, yeah. lending a hand. Yeah. The love for Moon comes from them building love for each other. Like in those moments mm -hmm. of, and yeah. And I love that we, we see the family bend. A lot of things happen to this family, but that's, it ends, you know, there's that metaphor, like a, a, a severed string 
gets closer with a knot, you know, you know, like two things. And I think there is that the severance of like you, you, the fact that I remember Juno feeling this way and I felt this way. I'm like, we spend the first few uh, months shooting. So all of our scenes are together. And then suddenly I don't see her on set for months because she's literally gone. Right. And we're both, and I'm, my scenes are with Scotty and, and then, so then you get to come back and do the scene at the end. It's like a homecoming for the actors too. It was kind of, it was, it was a, sometimes it's meta, you know, it's a feel, and you feel that in the scene. Oh, I get to do a scene with my wife again that I've not done since, since for five months. Cause we, the last time I did it was, was uh, the new year. And now, now it's, and then she's off on her adventure uh, since then. Um, so life imitate or art imitates life in that way. Yeah. That's a kind of a method way to approach it, even if it wasn't intentional, but to have that yeah. distance put between you and then to bring you back to, to close it all out. Yeah, the last scene we shot of the, the last episode, the last scene was the finale. We, we, we spent uh, two days on that finale, uh, that, that wow. whole thing. And it was, or like two and a half days. And it was really, uh, we were like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, uh, you know, the AD team and the producers for putting it together that way so that you, you know, you know, it's the worst when you're shooting a finale in the middle of the, but, but they're, 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 they, they know too much. They know that they're going to get the best out of us if they can do it at the end. Cause you're always learning about the characters. Every scene you do, you learn about the character because things happen that you don't even expect that comes out of you. And then, and so I think doing it last, it gave a real catharsis to us uh, that we could like then, and I think the whole crew that's been there the whole time, this fantastic crew in mm -hmm. Calgary. And uh, that, also, if you know, I don't know if you know this, but they've worked um, on every, the Calgary crew has worked on every uh, season besides four when it was shot in Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, and so they, these That's people great. have been in the Fargo universe. Yeah, forever. a family. That's a family, yeah. Yeah, it gives you, you know, but the thing, it's like in this too, closing out on this gives you that closure. I'm sure it was a very emotional day, you know, when you say, that's it, we're done. And you have to just let go of that. It was, you kind of feel in a daze. You're exhausted, but you're kind of like, um, like, wow, this is over. This is the last time I'll get to say, hey there, like, <laughs> in like a way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know, as an actor, you always, there's, pe there's people you miss. You carry with them, A, the, the you know, obviously the people, the, the actors and the people, you get to see them again. And that's the best part about this industry is you get to like work with people again over and over throughout the years. But there's also these characters that are parts of yourselves that you're like, all right, Wayne was was beautiful. And, I'm, and, and like, it's a, somebody that I've, kind of seen the the world through in a way for six months or eight months. Um, and, and now he's gone or, or he's not gone, but yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting. It was, it was emotional to say goodbye to the family, say goodbye to the character. Yeah. It's great though. that you're not, you know, this, you have to think that way. So this is, you know, like it or not has become part of you and yeah, you know, who is. Wayne is, is a good person to, I mean, I feel bad for like John, uh, John Hamm, who's got to play the devil and, like to go into that mode and like, you can't be comfortable. You get to walk away and say, ah, Wayne is part of me. I know. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and yeah, you playing Wayne for six months probably made me a better person, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. as David, you know, it's because that part of yourself you're feeding every day. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. A couple more uh, Fargo questions and we'll wrap up with some TV topics. First of all, how are the biscuits? They're actually really, they're really tasty. They're uh, Yeah, they, they were good. They gave us every, they, they they gave you uh, fresh biscuits every every day. You know that they, they had they had ones that traded out. You know what I mean. The chili though nice. was not very good. Uh, I I really 
because we were constantly spicing. And there was a little fun thing, you know, with, when you're working with a younger actor and, and Sienna's so fun, you want to keep it fun for her on set. And so we would play this game and she would always come and just throw seasoning in between takes. And I was fight, I was fighting it off, you know. And so the, by the end of it, that chili, uh, it was just a mass of like spice that we... And they had to give us a whole brand new one for the when we actually ate it. But um, but uh, the biscuits were good. Good question. Great. And if you had to pair up with one of these three for a street fight, uh, Juno's Dot, John Ham's Roy Tillman, or Sam's Munk, who would you choose? I'm I'm choosing my wife, baby. I'm choosing Juno. <laughs> I'm choosing the tiger. That's always the right answer. Yeah. Uh, and last Fargo related question. Three words to describe Wayne. Optimist, family, floor hockey. What, what was that? I was at floor hockey. Oh, floor hockey. Oh, I, I misheard you. Floor, the, the, the playful uh, nature of, uh, oh, I just want to play floor hockey. I, I, salesman's another one. I think faith, that's four. I'm giving you now more, but. Four. That's fine. Put a hyphen in there. That's all. Family, faith, optimist. And and uh, play. I think he's, he likes. I I think he's he loves to have a good time. Loves to have a beer. He's the kind of guy you just want to have a beer with. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. When he asks for a beer, it's like, oh, I like him even more. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I need I need a Wayne in my life. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll close out with. Uh, I mean, that was fantastic. I really. I mean, as I said, uh, it's great to hear. Uh, it's it like the finale. I walk away leaving appreciating the show even more and your work even more. So. Thank you for that. Before we get into more TV topics, I need to ask you about Alien. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, and I'm just really curious about what you can tell me because I know that a lot of it's under wraps. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to give away any uh, any spoilers, but um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that Noah Hawley has taken these iconic films and then boiled it down to its DNA, you know, with Fargo and and done that so well. And I think it's really a gift of his to to see what original movie or in, in aliens case movies are are saying about the world about um the kind of the themes even the, like the tone and the, the pacing and then do his own you know see like to boil that down and see what are we exploring and let's let's see if i can expand on that universe and and so it's it's a playground that i'm really excited to to play and I was actually a chemistry major in college so I'm uh, I'm playing a playing a scientist I think I can say that I think I, I think I can say that um and and so it's fun to go back to my to my roots I have a I have a professor who I'm I'm kind of basing a lot of my my character on uh similar you know how, how Fargo I based some of my, my father I feel like if I can find somebody in my real life to anchor that person for me, and then of course it'll change and develop, but I, I try to find a base within myself and a base within maybe somebody I know that I can, that I can anchor him and then let it grow from there. Noah has given a little bit. He's let us peek behind the curtain and somewhat and, and mentioned very AI heavy. Oh yeah. That is alien heavy. You know, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but. No, no, no. I'm glad Noah said that. You know, that's, that's, well, I think it's really apt to where some of the conversations we're having today, to be honest. Pre-production on this, like, or the talks of this was like 2020. Yeah. So when it began, I'm, I'm really curious, and maybe I'll get a chance to speak with him as well, but really curious how much this evolved because of where we are 
I mean, if you look back six months ago, maybe a year ago, we weren't thinking the way we are now. I know. It was all, that was science fiction. And now science fiction, it's every day on the news, something that happens like, you know, what's next? Like, where does this end? Did the robots take over? It feels like that's the next step. Yeah. What's wild about AI, I think, is that they just think so much faster than us. So it's time is literally faster than us. You know, our, our time is measured in seconds and, and there, they're the synapse, whatever you call them, not, not synapses, but like just the, the rate of, of, of how fast the computer goes. Yeah. Like the computations are so quick. So then, the, so like 10 minutes for them, like how much thinking we can do in 10 minutes, like eons, you know, like in some way. So it's like, so six months to an AI kind of, it, it's interesting to think about how time um, and how the thinking process and how we're, we're using electrical synapses in our heads and they, and electrical chemical and they're, and they're just, you know, kind of at the speed of a quantum computer, you know, in a, in a whole different, so, so, so that's, yeah, how fast things change. I'm reading that Ray Kurzweil book. I don't know if you know that book, uh, The Solidarity is Near. <laughs> he wrote that in 2005, but it, yeah, it's very, I'm kind of, to, to kind of prep for the, not, uh, for the role and, and, um, and it's just exponential growth, right? At the chart of how fast technology changes. It just feels like every, 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 we're living in a fascinating, terrifying, but fascinating time. And I think all we can do is try to, to dive into our humanity and, and try to, to love each other through it, because that's the only way we're, I think we're going to survive in a way. But the difference is we have emotion and we have yeah, yeah, relationships totally. and, totally. you know, is that, I mean, can be to our detriment, but also it's a, one of our biggest strengths, if not our biggest strength. So it's like yeah. curious, and I, as I know, they're trying to program emotion. I'm like, maybe we just stop, you know, pause for a little bit, figure <laughs> this out, you know, yeah. make sure we're not already like, you know, like going all the way back to the 80s, like war games where yeah. like, we become the virus and like <laughs> wiping ourselves out. It's uh, kind of scary stuff. Well, you, you heard that analogy about the, um, the staples or the uh, the little little paper clips. Like if an AI, its whole if you say All right, AI, I want you to make as many paper clips as possible. Suddenly the AI will like do everything it can to to turn everything into a paper clip. So it's like maximum intelligence to do these tasks, but it, the, like the emotion and wisdom to make paper clips. It's just it's doing what it's supposed to do, and so it could turn mm -hmm. the whole galaxy and universe into paper clips bait but that's like its whole goal because that's the goal it was given by somebody so that it's that, like funny now like something can be so intelligent to like maybe span the spaces of time to but the whole goal is to create more paper clips right so it's not like a thinking thing i've, I've just heard that thought experiment and i think it's really fascinating to think about well it kind of makes me think of of edgar Allan poe's uh the monkey's paw yeah, you know, totally. yeah. where it's like, go do this for me. I want this wish. And like, wait, that's no, you forgot everything. Like you forgot the important things because you don't understand yeah. it. You know, get from A to B, but it's not just data access. It's how do you use that? And right now, fortunately, it doesn't. It just like regurgitates. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have you started shooting? I'm not sure. I'm kind of lost on oh, where actually, this stands. No, we were we were in. So this the the SAG strike. I was in Thailand for 
couple of weeks in July. Um, and then um, I had one camera test day. Noah does these kind of elaborate camera tests, which are really great ways to, everyone's in character, excuse me, everyone. Uh, and it's kind of a few days just to play around with no stakes because this stuff, we're, we're not filming yet for the actual script. We're just feeling out what what the relationships feel like, what the camera is going to feel like, what the the setting is going to feel like. And it and we had one, I had one of those days and then, then it shut down um, uh, for me anyway. And 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 I, uh, but then Zassi, which is nice, Zassi had come over there and we, we got to just travel Thailand for a bit. So, you know, made some lemonade, I guess. Uh, it was a really hard time for a lot of people. So I don't want to say it was like a full lemonade experience, but, but you gotta, you know, you know, Z and I spend so much time apart as actors. So it's, we try, we try to like, when we're together, really be together. Um, mm -hmm. That's great. You know, yeah. Like you said, it's not, it's not the sweetest lemonade, but it's, you know, yes. you're making the best of the, of that worst yeah. you know experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so nice to be on the other side of that. I mean, it, that was as somebody who, you know, day in and day out, I'm watching, consuming, discussing. I just love it. You know, that's the thing. I am I do this because I love the art I can form. tell. You know, I can really tell you love this stuff. And it's so nice to talk to somebody who, because I also love it. And and it, and just to see it from, you know, many different sides of this, the same thing that we're all, that that's all of ours. There are all these stories that are like our cultures. And then, and, and you know, and we have, you, we unite different perspectives and then they come and talk about it. So, yeah, I can tell you love it. I, I think it's it. just fascinating. And, you know, and, and again, going back to the humanity of things, mm -hmm. you can't replace that. Uh, I was wondering with this, is that Noah's approach? You know, what you're, you know, the process you're kind of going through before the strike with that kind of feeling it out? Well, he has these camera test days that I guess he's been doing since season one of, of Fargo. And I know with Fargo, we would, we had three days and you, and you spent, a day with the lions, like he, like the camera team, you know, we had, we had a day at the ranch and, uh, and a couple of days at a ranch. Then just as an actor, you know, those first day jitters are real. And you, you also don't often get too much rehearsal. I mean, maybe you and the other actor will get together and, you know, Juno and I, 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 I said, we, we had a dinner together, really talked through our backstories, um, would definitely run scenes before doing them uh, just, but, before a shoot it's not like people are sometimes flying in and just like a nice to have a landing pad uh of of where you get to put the clothes on which always changes things as soon as you suddenly are in the clothes of your character and you're out there with the with the crew that you're about to make a, a show with um you're having ideas come at you you know and to have a few days where those ideas can can lodge themselves in your brain and your subconscious and and you go home. I go home often at night, and I'll journal about how that made me feel as as Wayne, or you know, if I'm you know Fargo specific, and and see what I've learned about my relationships with my mom. It was the first time I got to sit with. In one of these, actually, I had to sit. It's a funny story with Jennifer Jason Lee. I hadn't I hadn't met her yet, and she was having a full shoot in her like car, like the the Jaguar car uh, that she was sitting in. And I, they're like, all right, David, come over here. We're going to do a shots of you and you and um, you and your mom. And I sat in and she was kind of in character, like, and, and, 
and I was just seeing like how it was, you know, I was just kind of testing out the relationship as Wayne to Lorraine. And I said, mom, I got to get you in a, into a Kia. And she said, hon, I wouldn't be dropped. I wouldn't be found dead in a Kia. It was like <laughs> immediate uh, improv right back to, and, and I was like, oh, this is going to be, I knew then that she was really down to play and, and it was going to be a really fun. She's funny and humorous. So it's like, those are the kind of things that you get on those days where the, you're not trying to shoot a scene. You're just trying to live in the relationship. And I, and I think that's mm -hmm. why those days are valuable. And that's what, and that's just from, as an actor, I'm sure the, the crew is trying out moves, like lighting, like how this character gets lit and their the costume and the makeup and wardrobe. Everyone's kind of just, Te like it's like it's a little bit of a lab you know before you get, before you before you jump into the real thing what better than you know instead of a turn around start and go but getting to kind of yeah ease your way in and everyone get, you know, and giving enough time for everybody you know some people i'm sure can snap their fingers and jump into scene and jump into character but others kind of need that and it's uh yeah it'd be ideal it'd be great to have for pretty much every job but unfortunately yeah. that's not the case uh and and i'm just curious is this like have you done anything like this before? I I don't know what you're seeing on set. I'm not sure like what, you know, yeah. what the surrounding environment is, but it seems like, you know, this is alien. So. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's wild to be on those sets, to be, um, to be walking into kind of cinema history, you know, and to, so I definitely nerding out when I, when I was, uh, when I was first on those sets and, um, and, and, uh, I've played a scientist before once actually when Oppenheimer, I've, I've, you know, I have a small role in Oppenheimer and I played a scientist, but it's very, obviously extremely, very different world, Oppenheimer to alien. And, and uh, so, so no, I never really, I've never done anything in the future. I've never done anything really in this kind of dystopian kind of alien world before. So I'm, I'm ex very excited to, to, to live in it. And what I'm seeing here that the listeners cannot see is this uh, your, what your character looks like? You got a beard yeah. going and yeah, yeah, hair is a little like, longer. Well, there, they, yeah, we're gonna go a little. We we think so. I mean, they pretty much told me just keep let's just keep growing things and we'll make some choices when we're on when we're on the ground. So I'm yeah for, for the listeners, I have a uh, I have a grizzly beard that's coming in and some shaggy hair uh, that that may or may not be the look that we finalized, but it's, it's good to have options. That's my Halloween strategy about two months before I'm like, <laughs> okay, just let it all grow out. And my kids are like, why do you, why does your hair look so bad? And why, why is your beard so long? And I'm like, you know, because on, on, uh, on the holiday or Halloween morning, you know, I might decide to be Wolverine. I might be decide, you know, I might shave it all off. <laughs> and I typically that's what happens. I'm like, eh, I just shave it off. I'm tired of this hair. But shave it off. Once in a while, I, I pull out a winner. What's your favorite Halloween that, um, costume you've done? Uh, probably Wolverine because I actually Wolverine. put a little time into it and I, I, I grew out the sideburns oh. and I had everything. Like, you know, I, I worked you on the, the hair chops. a few times. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. The chop. Yes. Yeah. And the physique, you know, physique, of course that yeah. was natural though. All right. No, I, <laughs> I kept on a jacket, <laughs> yeah. but I think Negan from the walking dead is another one that, that one I just pulled together and I'm oh, like, oh, I've got okay. a scarf. I put a, a wiffle ball yeah. bat with barbed wire on it. And yeah. everybody, when I was walking down the street, because it just had happened, the oh, scenes yeah. that people were like traumatized by were yeah. very recent. And I, yeah. people were 
pointing out left and right. I was like, my gosh, it's literally a, a wiffle ball bat with a <laughs> scarf, but I, I pulled it off. That's fun. How about you? You know, I grew up, my mom was really, was really creative. She's a very, she's kind of an artist in her own right. And she would always make our costumes. And the weirdest one we did, she, we were once pumpkin people. Cause she was always like doing things that weren't <laughs> kind of was in her own brain. And she, she, we all, I have two brothers and we all wore pumpkin heads and these crazy huge stuffed leaves. And I remember it was like really funny at the beginning. And then we just smelled like pumpkin for like days. Oh, they were real pumpkins. We <laughs> really put real pumpkins on our head. These carving, we were these pumpkin people. Looking back, I'm like, what's a pumpkin person? When you're like seven or eight, you're like, you don't really question it. You're just like, all right, I'm a pumpkin person, whatever that is. And uh, um, yeah, Zessie and I try to do, we, we, were, we were just, we did, we did Rick and Morty, uh, Z and I, as we do like fun things. We did um, uh, Big Mouth. Uh, oh my gosh, what's I'm blanking on the characters' names right now. Uh, I've had my coffee. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't recall the names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did names are not first, my thing. We did the first on-screen <laughs> uh, interracial kiss <laughs> first from Star Trek. That was one of our Chris, our, our Halloween costumes. Oh wow um on my pod other podcasts we've spoken about that quite a bit we're uh getting to trek oh, really oh you're getting a trek oh and then covering how it's you know so much more than just a, a uh, sci-fi show oh without a doubt it's really groundbreaking so groundbreaking yeah I mean, that, that, and that was one of our that's a very fun we got to kiss all night but we're like, like people are like what are you and we're like well here we go <laughs> we'll do the kiss that's fun uh did you pull out a kirk imitation <laughs> you know i i uh I, 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 I was, I, that I, I was doing the more of the bravado. I, I looked like him and I was like doing the whole thing, but I didn't, I, I had to work on my, 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 my impression, uh, <laughs> vocally as I wasn't doing, it. I was just doing the kiss. I was more concerned with the kiss than I was with the, with the impression, I guess. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, this series and, and hearing more. You have anything else you can share or that you want to share about it? Cause sure fans will eat it up yeah you know i just don't you know i i don't want to get i don't want to ruin anyone's experience and i also don't want to get in trouble um, so so no um, worries at all but, i don't uh, i don't like spoilers so i oh yeah, no it's the worst it's the worst it's the worst when you accidentally say one too and then and then you think about that for months being like oh i hope i didn't say too much so i'm gonna stop it there that works for me we'll close out with some tv topics questions and get you on your way you get the opportunity to add one more season to any show, your favorite show or whatever it is. It could be something in the middle. It can be a prequel. It can be an additional um, episode at the end. And all the all the actors are back, no matter where they are now, in that form as you remember them. What show do you choose and why? You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk this out with you because it's interesting. I, some of the shows I love the most ended the perfect way, and so you're like mm -hmm. the idea of bringing it. Like you almost want a show that didn't end the way you wanted it to end. Because uh, honestly, I don't even know what show I would choose. I have to go through the list. Because it's funny, yeah. Um, you know, I think about, selfishly, I want to be on Succession. So I was always like another, but that season ended so perfectly with Tom getting the nod that what would you do with it afterwards? You know, I'm taking mm -hmm. this too seriously. Man. It can be in the middle, though. It can be right in the middle of any season you want. Oh, in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Or, or it can be a prequel. Oh, it yeah, can be... a prequel. Okay. 
That's a, that's a good note. You know, I, 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 uh, yeah, you know, I honestly, I'd watch a succession to see how uh, Roy, um, it's Roy, right? The, the dad? Oh, uh, no, that's the last name. His first name is Logan. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Roy. It's funny because Roy Tillman, I was on like Roy, Roy, Roy. Um, yeah, yeah. How did he become where he, like maybe his, I, I think what's cool about succession is obviously you see like the trauma of generations going through and watch a pre, a prequel about the father and his family and how he became that would be interesting. You know, how, how he grew um, into, you know, or, or even like two, kind of similar to how Oli Mook, his story started 500 years earlier and his trauma is tied with where we are today. I feel like that's a, you know, there's that biblical, uh, somewhere in the Bible, it says um, the sins of the fathers will be passed on to the sons. And and I think that's what also what Fargo is about this season. But there's also that in families, like what was the trauma that brought uh, the Roy families over and, and how did they become and, and that, that led to him, you know, seeing the world that way. Yeah. To Logan, to Logan Roy. What, what led to Logan Roy? What were the ancestors maybe i thought i bet they were pretty you know poor coming off and 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 that's what's interesting about fargo to bring it back to the to fargo again um you know there's all we all have these immigrants family a lot of you know my family was poor immigrants from norway and, and ireland and they come over and they we did awful things i mean like like i'm, I'm not saying my family they were good people but they like we did to the this country is built on blood right? America's mm -hmm. built on blood. That's the trauma that we're dealing with. And them, their trauma, what happened to them when they were poor back in Europe, like they brought that, that trauma with them and now have, have, have spread that, that trauma around, not dealt with it. And how do you deal with it? You sit down and you eat a biscuit with love is, is one way. There's, there's other ways to deal with it. But for me, that would be interesting to watch the succession how did Logan Roy become Logan Roy? Or maybe, or maybe how did Logan Roy's dad become whoever, whoever that guy was? I think that'd be interesting. There had to be some effect. And I'm sure, you know, you don't turn, you don't become Logan Roy without some kind of messed up childhood. Yeah, totally. You've also appeared on screen multiple times with the great Zassie Bates. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to screen time, you also shared some wedding vows. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. When it comes to watching TV together, who is the keeper of the remote? Going back to the old keeper of the remote part of the discussion. Yeah, that's a great question. We love watching stuff together. As, as actors, you're always, you know, you're like, oh, what? but we're really good about if somebody's excited about a show, we'll, we'll, we'll give, put it on, let's give it a chance. And then we'll both look after the episode or we'll talk during it sometimes and be like, and, and if it feels fresh, like we're watching the curse right now. And we're just obsessed with the curse. But we, we, we don't we try not. We, it's we do so much traveling for work. So she's gonna be gone next week for a while. And I'm like, well, what? so I, we, we, we can't, I can't watch the curse without you. you know, it's, it's fun to get a show because then you get to spend. It's a kind of a, what you what then you talk. You get to talk about your own life through and like it's these great prisms to to view thing views to to view your life through. Um, and but the, who's the keeper? We're, we're, we're pretty good about sharing that. We're pretty well good sharing. And if someone's not into it, we'll we'll turn it off. But we have a pretty similar taste also. We we like similar things. We're drawn to similar creators and, and, and similar stories. Can you name a few? What's on your DVR? Uh, DVR. Well, recently we've been going, Zessie's like 
we're in movie land because SC is on the Oscar. She she's in the in the Academy. So we are we just watched um Anatomy of the Fall. Have you, heard, have you watched mm -hmm. that? Watched oh, yes. that last yeah, I I mean yeah, I'm in a, a critics group, so I I watched them all. Oh, okay. And yeah, Anatomy of the Fall. We're we're watching Zone of Interest tonight. We love that actress, uh Sandra Huler. Is that, is that, is that Huler? correct? Huler? Yes. Did you see Tony Erdman back in the day? No, I've had that in my uh, my must watch list for so long, oh, and now that she's came up again, I'm like I've been reminded to do so. No, she's um she's amazing. So we, but uh, we love Force Majeure. We love everything that fella does. We love Largos, uh, Lanthimos. Poor Things was so fun to do. Mm -hmm. I did a little oh, play yeah. with Mark Ruffalo, and he's so funny as an actor. And like I think to do that role, people maybe don't know that how silly he is. He's a very silly person, and he committed to that so, so well. And and of course, um, Emma Stone's a national treasure man and and uh i'm going off to do aliens we've been reading a lot of scripts together uh she's in, and, and that's what's fun about dating or being married to another actor is like she's the one that we she's my acting coach and i'm hers you know we're always reading each other's material giving ideas uh having some wine and being like all right let's play it out let's let's read the scene and just and just play around for a while and and find it and and we're always we're always doing that while also watching. You should record it. People would I pay to see that, I think. You know, oh yeah. We should record it. Kind of an actor studio from like actor studio. You know, with your wife. Have you ever said, Don't take this role? Like she was excited or you were excited and like, no, no. And you don't have to say what if you did. Oh yeah. Especially with her. She, it was interesting. We dated we started dating before either of us had a career really. We were doing all these short films. It was ten years ago. And then she gets on this show Atlanta and that's, and mm -hmm. changes everything. And, you know, for so long, you were just trying to say yes, because you're in freelancer mode. You're like, all right, yes. Yeah. I want to try that experience. And then you start to have to be like, well, I need to start to change how I'm approaching this industry because I can't say yes to everything. And then you decide that you have a little crisis that you're like, well, what do I want to make? What, what do I actually, and then you'd been developing that for years, your taste, what you like, what you want to do, what feels good, what's, what's something you want to put out in the world. But then it really becomes real because you have, you actually have choices. So that, that to go through that with her was really, was, was really edifying. I learned a lot about myself and her and what we wanted. We had a lot of conversations about the art we like, the stories we like, and the, the little inner child that knows if you should take it or not that's what you have to that's what you have to mm -hmm. cultivate and what you really have to listen to because there's gonna be so many voices and and you try to surround yourself with people who have you know the taste that that either it's your taste or it's something that like can you like they can know your taste and you know they, they can challenge you but you but you really have to develop the inner child the inner taste first and and know what that is and uh watching and having zesty go through that we could iron sharpens iron right we, we we could talk it out each other like and now i know now more about what i like and what i want to follow and and what stories are worth you know eight months of your time and and um and the, the creators that you want to support and the, and the voices you want to support you know that, that, that's a it's a constant conversation and one that we've gotten better at having it it sounds like you're a uh, match made in heaven. It's uh, 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, you, uh, you, you got a, a wife, but also somebody who's watching your back and knows you and, and knows your your craft. And well done. Uh, sounds perfect. Um, so last question. This is the genie question. The genie says, I, 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 I'm going to give you a door. This door will let you go live in one TV show. You can pop in, pop out whenever you want. So you don't give up your real life, but okay. you can go in, and step in. And it can't be succession because I know. Uh, and also, I wouldn't want to live in succession because. That's very depressed place to live. Uh, we, we've had several people say succession, so I'm taking it off the list. Oh, really? Oh, it's which would it, which show would it be, and, and why? I'd want to live in Cheers. Oh, I like that. No one's ever said that one. I came to Cheers late because I and Warren Litterfield, who uh, anyway he he helped executive produce um, our show, was was telling me about a book about Cheers, and then I started watching it later, and I was like, man, this is just a good time hang. And yeah, so what other place would you want to go live for a while? You know, I, I, keep the la I love The Last of Us, but there's no way I'm going to go live in that world. No, you know? no. <laughs> uh, so many, it's, I was thinking of The Bear because I like, I worked in restaurants for a long time in New York, but it's so stressful. You know, cheers, you just go and have a beer, laugh at the people around you and um, have a kind of a, have a good time. That, that's, that's where I'd want to go live. If things weren't going, I'd just go to the bar. Yeah. We got cheers in the back. <laughs> I love that. Every time you walk in, everyone stops and yells out, Dave, just like Norm. If that ever happens, make sure you invite me over for a round or two. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, that was a great answer. And, and I loved hearing everything you had to say about the series and, and learning more about you through your television. Um, you know, thanks for being on. And, and I, I look forward to see what you're doing next. I, I had a I had a great time. What great questions and great conversation. And, and uh, that's the whole, that's why we do all this stuff, right? Just to have, it's like lovely to talk to people about art, about stories. And, you know, so thank you for what your, all your work you do to, to get these stories out in the world and also to talk about them. Cause they are, they're like, it's like reading a novel. You want to talk about it afterwards. And, and, um, and, and so anyway, thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening, everyone. It was a real treat having David Rizdal on as a guest on TV Topics. Be sure to watch David's work on FX's Fargo and in the now Oscar-nominated Oppenheimer and in the wonderful underseen gem Nine Days, which also stars David's wife, Zassi. Hunt that film down. Trust me, you'll thank me for it. And a shout-out goes to Emilia Yu for our funky theme song, which you're probably hearing right now. And also our announcer, Kari Loya. You can inquire about his VO work at kariloyavo.com. That's Kari with a K, and it's in our profile. And if you want to follow me, I'm on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmsnork. You can also go over to awardsradar.com where you can find my interviews, including one with David Fargo co-star Juno Temple. I think you'll love it. Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for more TV Topics. TV Topics is an Awards Radar podcast produced by Stephen Puzikowski. Zap.